Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, and I'm recording this on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Outside, temperatures are rising steadily, and also society is slowly but steadily loosening up a little bit after all the corona worries. So uh, here's hoping that this will be an ongoing trend. This episode is brought to you thanks to my patrons, uh, those of you that, fo- that follow me and support me on a monthly basis with a small donation. If you want to join them, you get access to a, a, another podcast that I record. It's called Father Roderick to the Max, and it's like this show, so if you like this It is like that, but it has totally different topics. And at the end of this show, I will uh, briefly mention the topics for this week's episode of Father Roderick to the Max. And so it is available for all my patrons. It's a way for me to say thank you to all all those of you that that support me. And uh, just take a look at uh, patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Oh, it was another busy week, but there was one thing that really saved me and uh, gave me some very, very necessary relaxation, and that is the wonderful game Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yes, I caved in, finally got a Switch, a Nintendo Switch. They are pretty hard to get because everybody during these, this corona crisis wants to uh, have, have a, a Nintendo Switch. I've been holding out for, for two years now. Is it two years that this thing has been out? And I was like, well, I've had so many different gaming consoles and I end up only gaming on my PC. However, I made an exception for the Nintendo Switch because of the game Animal Crossing New Horizons. I saw um, Gary Witta. um, I follow him on, on Twitter. He actually, I think he follows me back. At least he, he's seen my my, uh, my Star Wars reactions. And Gary Witta is the, the scenario uh, scenario writer for Rogue One, one of the most awesome Star Wars movies, uh, uh, apart from the the, the nine uh, canon movies. Uh, I'm a huge fan of, of his writing, and, um, and he's also a very, very entertaining person to follow on social media. And he just came up with this wonderful idea of creating a talk show inside the world of Animal Crossing. And it is absolutely marvelous. I would definitely... Uh, encourage you to check it out and that made me think oh that is the cool first of all it's the coolest game (laughs) but this is also something that I would like to experiment with of course I'm not going to copy that idea but to have a show inside Animal Crossing and 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 then using the social aspect of people being able to visit your island it's it's a ton of fun so that's the reason that I uh, caved and got myself a Nintendo Switch, and I have to say that it really helped me pass the time. And um, and, and and just when I'm completely fed up with all the work and I'm tired, just having the opportunity to sit back, relax, and uh, play a little bit with, uh, um, well, just you know, building my garden, planting some flowers, uh, cutting some trees. Um, saving some money. There, there is just so much stuff that you can do, um, and it is completely inconsequential. Uh, many people would say it is a total waste of time, but you know what? I don't care because it is just. Oops! I just disappeared from my green screen. <laughs>
<laughs> oh wow okay um so i'm streaming this live on youtube and i was while i was talking i was playing a little bit with the um uh the settings because i've made the mistake of of, of using my green screen uh in the evening and so i gotta get up and open the the curtains because it's getting dark the sun is setting all of a sudden and immediately Immediately, I could tell that the light was caving in. Oh, and it's also overcast. That is why the whole green screen thing fell apart. So I still don't have the lamps, the studio lights, that would be necessary to make a real good green screen set uh, uh, because they are still in church. Next week, I'm going to buy uh, a new camera system for the parish, and then I can finally 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 get my equipment back and it is about time because i've been uh using it for church business for 10 weeks now um and so i'm just using daylight to light my green screen and well apparently when you're when you're streaming at five o'clock in the evening and all of a sudden there is a bit of a, a, a rain rain clouds are appearing in the skies it, it was a sunny day today then then the entire green screen um, setup goes <laughs> goes haywire. Oh well, uh, the joys of low budget streaming. All right, so uh, so basically, my week has been work, 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 work. A little bit of sleep, work, 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 and Animal Crossing. That's that's my news update of today. <laughs> and oh well, no, I did watch a little bit of TV, and I finally did something that most of you here on YouTube have been bugging me about for weeks now when do you finish watching star wars the clone wars the last season well i finally did it i watched it and i have an opinion well, actually more than one opinion about that finale so that's what you're going to hear in this segment of my show how do you not like movies they're predictable like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and darth vader is luke's father not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. Now, I'm pretty sure that I have some Star Wars fans in my audience. And um, I'm, I'm reading through the, some of the comments in the chat room while I'm streaming this live. And Michael, Michael is in the chat and says... Uh, I, I I was a massive fan of your Lord of the Rings online podcast all those years ago. Yeah, that was, I don't know, it's like five or six years ago that I did the last episode of that. It was a lot of fun. We were just walking around uh, this, this online game in the world of Tolkien, and we would visit places, and I'd uh, have some people very knowledgeable about Tolkien. They would explain uh, the history of those locations. It was a massive amount of work to prepare because most of the you know, early areas in the game were familiar to me because they are all in the movies, but then you would go to more remote places and I just didn't know enough about it. So it became a, a lot of homework to prepare those episodes, but it was fun to make. Um, and Michael also wants to know if my Force Awakens trailer reaction got taken down. Well, actually, yeah, that was a, a bit of a, uh, a disaster. I, I used to have another YouTube channel and it had, mm, well, not as many subscribers as this one now. But uh, it was pretty sizable, and that's where I had my first breakthrough with those reaction videos. And the thing is, um, I got a, a, a copyright strike from uh, a TV show. You're not going to believe this. They showed my 
reaction to the Star Wars The Force Awakens trailer uh, on their TV show. And then they registered their TV show with the YouTube algorithm because they didn't want people to repost it on YouTube. And so I got a copyright strike. And of course I appealed, but then YouTube is this impenetrable fortress. It's like the Death Star without an exhaust port. Um, and so basically uh, they disabled my channel for monetization and a lot of other functions because of those copyright strikes. And I was not to blame. It was totally that that TV company that did that to me. So I decided to, you know, instead of, of continuing with a crippled channel, I decided to take everything offline and start this new channel that uh, I'm currently using. And in a way, I'm actually glad I did that because it uh, it made it helped me to focus much more on what I wanted to do on YouTube. And uh, frankly, there were there were a lot of oh, Terratomic gives me this this sound effect. If, in case you hear this, this is when people give me a super chat. This is something that is linked to uh, to YouTube. And that is, people can give like a, an online donation in the form of a super chat, and then basically what they post uh, gets uh, this little sound effect, and I get a nice colored uh, frame of that of that uh, particular post. So uh, Tara says, "Greetings from North Carolina, from the U.S." Uh, well, greetings back, and thank you so much uh, for your support. So anyway, let's let's talk uh, uh, Star Wars. The Clone Wars. I finally saw the last, four, I think, four episodes that together uh, form the finale to this Clone Wars animated series that I have been very late to the game with. I've been... Uh, many people grew up with the Clone Wars. Not I. I was like a hardcore movie Star Wars fan, and I did read the books, of course, and I played the video games, but the animated series never really got the opportunity to 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 watch them the main reason being that they were unavailable they were uh not on tv um the, i think at one point we got D disney xd which was a channel that was available for some uh cable subscribers but i don't have cable i don't have a, even regular television i watch everything on demand so for me the only way to watch the clone wars was by buying the blu-rays now i did buy the blu-ray of the of the first movie uh the clone wars movie and then the the first season i think i picked it up on amazon uh, during a sale still paid like 25 dollars or euros for it. it was pretty expensive for one season and then i just i didn't want to continue that first season didn't didn't work for me that well and it's only now that disney has posted uh everything they have uh in terms of animation on disney plus that i was able to go back and finally discover why this is such a well-loved series um i've i've been going through the series uh over the past few months and then I started to watch the seventh season, which is kind of the, the, the like a bonus season, because Disney at first didn't want to, when they bought Lucasfilm, uh, they didn't want to continue it. So they stopped, actually, Clone Wars. Um, but a number of storylines were already in development. Some of the pre-production stuff was already done. And so it's only after they launched Disney Plus that they announced that they would finally conclude the story, uh, of Ahsoka, uh, which is um, uh, Anakin's apprentice, and and then of course Anakin and and all the others, they would give us a final season, and the season season seven is what uh, what I've I've been watching for the past few weeks. The first few episodes were still based on stuff that was in pre production already when uh, Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm, and so 
uh, in terms of tonality, they are very much like the rest of the series. Uh, the animation it has improved quite a bit. Uh, you can tell that it's uh, it's it's very polished. Um, and then at one point, the the series gets closer to the events in uh, in the actual prequel movies, and 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 the last few episodes are happening in the same time frame as the prequels, the Clone Wars in the prequels, which, of course, very dramatic uh, moments, very dramatic events, the most important one and the most destructive one, of course, being Order 66. That happens also within the story time frame of, of this last season of Clone Wars. So everybody was eager to figure out, to find out what would happen. And in the meantime, there was also a bit of a drama going on with Ahsoka, uh, this is Jedi Apprentice, because she was also uh, disappointed by some of the actions by the Jedi Council, very similar to, to Anakin's disappointment. Um, she was set up, and then, well, anyway, there's a breakup, I won't go into details because of spoilers, and the, the when they finished these first few episodes that they still had, uh, lying around, they continued her story at first. So what is happening when she walks away from Anakin and all the other Jedi? And I have to say that I was disappointed by those episodes. I Well, disappointed is, is a big word. I mean, I watched them. They were entertaining, but I didn't like the storyline. I didn't like the character. She meets two sisters uh, and uh, goes with her with them on an adventure. There's a little bit of a moral lesson to that whole thing. You'll have to watch it for yourself to to find out what. But I felt that the story was a bit contrived. The, the two characters, the two sisters, were kind of weird, and I just didn't feel that they were Star Wars characters. It was, you know, it just felt out of char- out of place, out of just not something that. And I don't know why. I can't really put my finger on it. But there was something about those characters that felt off, and and not. Not Star Warsy enough. The, also, the story itself was very inconsequential. There is the only thing that happens at one point, and that's where I kind of sit up, sit straight, and like, okay, we're back. Is when Darth Maul appears, and uh, of course, that is still part of the, the the time frame that was established by the Solo movie. So I'm not saying anything new that when when I say that 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 Maul is alive, but. When Maul is back, then all of a sudden they drop all the other inconsequential timelines, and then then they gear up for the for the finale. And it, it, so it feels this season feels to me like a, a bit of a, uh, um, a uh, like a fifty fifty deal. Like fifty percent is kind of eh, yeah, not bad, not bad. And then fifty percent is oh wow, this is Star Wars. This is what I hoped it would be, and and they totally deliver. Um, so they they they. Uh, tie into everything that happens in the prequels that is very cool we see more of the siege of mandalore we see more of darth maul um and then of course alt there is this final confrontation uh which of course is totally star wars you need to have this big lightsaber fight and then all very dramatic action-packed and it was amazing animation was fantastic choreography of the fights i've never seen uh, this in the Clone Wars. One of my criticisms of the earlier uh, seasons was that a lot of the battle was generic. It's just battle droids shooting at Jedi and Jedi deflecting their lasers. And and it would always be the same setting and, and uh, just 
not very interesting to look at. And I have to say that I skipped through a number of those episodes with these fights. It just went on and on. The worst for me was was when they went to the planet of uh, uh, Mon Calamari. So that's where... Uh, uh, Admiral Akbar comes from, so it's a water planet because he's a bit fishy, of course. It's a crap. So uh, there is this, like I think, three episodes with underwater battles, and it looks like a cheap knockoff of of Aquaman, um, but so annoying and so <laughs> it just went on and on and on. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What a filler episodes. Really not my thing. Also, that that was really childish. The story was. Uh, geared towards very young children, and I've I've seen the Clone Wars grow up. And one one of the major reasons that I never pursued the Clone Wars after seeing the first season on the on Blu-ray was that I felt that the story was a bit too much geared towards children. And of course, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but for um, let's say more hardcore Star Wars fans, it is a bit much to ask of us the patience of 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 working our way through a story with with uh, you know uh, a baby a baby uh job at a hut or like a, like a baby slug and that sort of stuff it's like ah and then the episodes with jar jar binks were pretty cringy as well however this last season shows what the potential is for animated storytelling and i think sets the scene for even cooler stuff in the near future. This, these four last episodes felt like they were, I think, in terms of storytelling, sometimes even beyond what what Lucas did in the prequels. Um, it, it feels much more balanced than 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 uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, I, I just, everything the animation is extremely subtle. Uh, sort of character animation. You, you, you look at the eyes, even the the pupils dilate and and shrink in in certain scenes just to enhance the emotion of the characters. And we know these characters and we love them so much that we're super involved in what happens to them in these final four episodes. Also, the tonality is completely different from from most of the of the rest of the Clone Wars. It feels like even the the opening is different. The music is very very different um so that so they really pushed boundaries and they used kind of at, at times the music made me think of blade runner and that's a compliment it's very moody very slow and some of the scenes are also really taking some time to set the scene and set the mood um to, to process what's really going on because of course what's happening to the galaxy at that time is it is horrible it, it's just emperor palpatine taking control of everything and everyone. Turns out he's been manipulating everyone. And his ultimate goal is the total destruction of the Jedi. And so everybody you love will die. All the Jedi will die. And not that, And by the hand of the stormtroopers, of, of the clone troopers, I should say. The clone troopers, that, that is, I think, one of the biggest merits of the Clone Wars series. They were humanized. All of a sudden, they're not just these, you know... CGI soldiers, not too different from stormtroopers. And yes, you know that they're, they are clones on the inside, but you hardly ever got to connect, in the movies that is, with, with the clone troopers themselves. And that's what Clone Wars does really well. So they all have their own distinct personality, even though they are clones, and you care for them. And then to see how much that chip inside their brain is impacting everything that they stood for, 
and turns them against the Jedi and then ultimately, of course, leads to their demise. It's heartbreaking. And this, these four final episodes really take the time to, to, to bring that across. And it is, it's masterful. It's absolutely masterful. Um, there is this final scene on um, a ship with Ahsoka and the action is out of this world good. It is like, oh, I want to see this in real life. This should be in a real life action uh, Star Wars uh, movie. It was that good. It was fantastic. And I was like, oh, I can't believe this is animated. It's it's absolutely the best that they've done so far when it comes to animated series. And then there is this epilogue, which is very surprising. Uh, so they fast forward in time, and all of a sudden you're in the timeline of the original trilogy. So A New Hope, etc., and uh, and that one also gets very moody, very it's very dark, very sad. And kudos, kudos to Filoni and all the others that have been giving all their energy and, and, and talent to, to wrapping this story up in the way they did it because this is what I think the series and also the fans deserved and they did not disappoint. So uh, awesome, awesome, awesome work. And with that, it is time for a short visit to the Peculiar Bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock! Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about those very strange aliens called Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. Oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Uh, no, we don't eat light bulbs. <laughs> Thankfully not. <laughs> but we do have a lot of quirks and strange traditions that sometimes require a little bit of explanation. And that's what I do here in this segment of the show. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. All right. And today I want to talk a little bit more about um, celebrating Mass in Corona times. And uh, this is a question that is uh, occupying a lot of my fellow Catholics right now, is once these rules, these very strict rules of keeping your distance, working from home, not being able to go to church because of the risks of infection, uh, because it looks as if in parts of the world those rules are loosened a little bit, will this mean that we can go back to church. And and I think for quite a few Catholics, this time of not being able to go to church has been a moment of realization how much they actually enjoy going to church and how much they miss that. And um, I've seen people watching the live streams, and uh, I, I do like this geek mass or mass for geeks on Sunday evening, uh, where I, I usually stuff my homilies with geeky references. Uh, this week I'm going to do a homily about Harry Potter because I was reading the Gospels like, oh, I know what I'm going to talk about. This is the story of Harry Potter. And I see a lot of you know connections between those franchises. I did, like my first homily was about Baby Yoda. And, uh, and I, I, what I read in the comments is, and, and it's heartwarming, is, is, is a lot of people say, whoa, this touched me so much, and I've not been in church for a long time, but this is really a discovery, and I love this, and it helps me, and it inspires me. And I was like, wow, it, so it, it took corona for some people to rediscover um, how, much of, how much value they, 
they uh, uh, get from from you know online liturgy. And what is going to happen to all that when we go back to our churches? For some, this is not going to be an improvement. Um, and I had someone write me sa- saying, well, we're kind of stuck. She lived in Belgium, I think. And she said, in our churches, it is so boring. And we have like these old priests and they don't really care. They, they literally say mass at high speed. They want to get it over with. There is nothing in their homily that is inspiring because they themselves are not inspired. So how can they inspire us? The, the, we're in this church and there's this old decrepit choir of old ladies and no one can sing, but they're just there because they, well, that's just what the parish is like. And, and, and she said, I'm so enjoying these online liturgies and we have like great homilies and it's fun and they're geeky references and the songs are great. And I don't know if I want to go back to my, I don't know if I can go back to my old parish. And that is, I think, um, that is a problem for some. I would say, well, hey, I'm, I'm usually streaming at a time that I'm not in competition with other churches. So I hope that people will continue to watch my, my geek mass um, and or at least look at the or watch the homily uh, and, and get something out of that. Maybe that will help compensate. Uh, but on the other hand, I also really want people to go back to their, their churches and, and, and be in a real community instead of just an online community. I mean, I, I value what we do online. I love my YouTube community. Uh, I've gotten to know so many friends over the past few months just by streaming, by playing video games online, by chatting afterwards, and or by reading the comments. Like right now, there's so, so many people joining me from, from Los Angeles, another one's from New Hampshire, um, uh, someone's watching from California. So I would have never met all of you if I... If 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 I wouldn't be able to str- if I didn't do the, the the streaming and the same is true for for mass there's so many people that I get to know because they watch the the mass for geeks I never did anything religious on YouTube I, this was my channel just for Star Wars and I I didn't want to to go and do preaching here on on YouTube because that's I wouldn't watch it myself I don't like preachy stuff I don't I don't like it when it becomes too churchy and so. Uh, and I know that when I'm just saying mass in my own parish, I need to keep keep in mind that I have a mostly older people in church, and so I can't talk about Star Wars or I can't show them Baby Yoda. They they, they freak out. <laughs> but now with this Corona mass, I can. And all of a sudden, I see that for some people, this is exactly what the doctor ordered. And and so, well, I I hope to be able to continue this. But at the same time, I'm also wondering. If things go back to the way it was, do I still want to go back to that old situation? I've learned so much uh, uh, how how this new way of 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 celebrating and communicating mostly uh, can be, and what the advantages are. Do I? I don't think I can get used to the old way of doing it because it was broken. Um, most young people would never set a step in, into the church anymore because it, it's just the, the the music, the way of talking, the boring homilies. It's just a they consider that to be a waste of time, and it's only the hardcore Catholics that really value receiving the sacraments that would still you know endure all that. Um, 
because they know that the real value is not in the charism of the of the preacher, but it is in the presence of Jesus. But for many people, that is a bridge too far. They are still growing into this. So I, I feel that if if we're starting society back up, if we're starting church back up, then I think we should learn from what from what we've experienced in these past few weeks and and a, a number of lessons learned for me what i've learned what i've discovered is that liturgy is super visual we we, we were used to very simple sober liturgies and i've noticed if you're streaming just do everything, you know. Make sure that constantly things are moving. That we use frankincense. Uh, that we, we do all the gestures. I've, I've completely rebuilt the entire uh, choir of the church so that we get the maximum amount of of action. And it's not action in the sense that you have you have to entertain, but but liturgy is a visual spectacle. And so I've I've rediscovered the value of the not that I disregarded that in the past but i've 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 stuck even more to the rules of the liturgy because it works so well it's so visual and there's there's always something happening that keeps you interested and that, that helps you to engage in the liturgy the second thing that i've learned is the value of latin and gregorian chant and if you watch my mass for geeks there's actually quite a bit of of, of latin in there and for me it's the new klingon you know it's, it is such a cool language, and but it was always regarded as, especially by the older people in churches, oh, that's from our past. That's not young people don't like Latin. They don't like Gregorian chant. And the the feedback that I get is, oh, please, sir, can I have some more? Because this is awesome. This is it's it's kind of a, uh, it's it's it connects you with the, that music to centuries of of wisdom and and beauty. And I think young people are very uh, sensitive to that, and, and 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 it's a different world from the kind of liturgy that is very common in Catholic churches in the Western part of the world, where we have all these these statement songs. I call them. So it's like, Oh God, I would like to let you know that we are doing fine here, thanks to you. Give us strength and hope. And it's just this, this declamation of things that, like, dude, God knows. And and wh- wh- why are you singing this? You know, music is supposed to help you pray. It's not. It doesn't. It's not an intellectual exercise, and so I, I've really, uh, I've never liked this. This, you know, these 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 newer songs, especially the the English ones, are terrible. I mean, in, in the United States, how can you guys endure that in mass? These, uh, I've visited the U.S. many times in the past, and so on. So they would attend mass, and then they they have these bundles with songs, and then there's usually a piano and a canter and it's oh a lot of those songs are so obnoxious <laughs> especially if you have this slightly older man or woman who is like singing them with a lot of vibrato in her voice or his voice and it's like god you are, are. And I was like oh get me out of here <laughs> chewy punch it <laughs> fly casual whatever you do let's get out of here so anyway so so for me this time being able to just hand pick my singers so for 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 mass for geeks i have four singers and they have fantastic voices and i've got one of my directors who has 
such a great taste for music. And it's it's so beautiful. And I am inspired when I listen to those songs. And that is not usually the case when I go celebrate Mass in one of the parish churches. And I was like, oh, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's old. It doesn't work anymore. Most people that are members of choirs are just doing that just to pass time because they like singing, but the quality is not there. And what I think what we what we forgot was that if church music doesn't help you pray, doesn't inspire you, but on the contrary prevents you from enjoying the liturgy, then maybe, maybe you should do something else. Maybe that choir continue singing, but do it elsewhere. You know, focus refocusing on on quality in the liturgy and reconnecting with the beauty of the of our tradition and there are also there's beautiful church music also in our modern church uh, look at the the stuff that was composed for world youth day there are some masses there uh, what they sing in lourdes and other places of pilgrimage there, there is a lot of great content out there but let's get rid of all the stuff that was you know popular in the 70s and in the 80s that is no longer working and the thing is on the internet, when you're streaming live, you can tell. You can literally measure when people will zap away. And so that gives you so much valuable feedback. And uh, the whole fact that you get feedback on liturgy is something that I hope we can continue to have in the future. Because otherwise, you may think that what you're doing is fine. And then one day you wake up and there's no one left in church. I think that's already actually reality. And for years, we've been misdiagnosing, I think, what, what was going on. And, and that is that what we offer, the form, not the content. I'm not talking about uh, the contents of fate or the dogmas or what we believe in. That is our strength. That's the treasure. But it was wrapped in, in, in you know, old, old paper towels or something like that and it is just the form does not the quality of the form does not correspond to the value of what you try to transmit and these two have to be in line that's why we have beautiful churches it is because it the beauty of the churches the beauty of the vatican you know it is to point towards the true beauty that is on the inside but uh if if everything is meh in terms of the the music, the words, the if there is no inspiration, if you have someone who's like, well, today uh, I'm just reading a homily that I um, copied online from some homily website because I don't care and I I I'm not, I don't want to be here. That even if people try to hide that, that comes across. If there is no enthusiasm, if there is no real passion, then nothing will happen. <laughs> it is, yes, there is, of course, the objective reality of what you're celebrating. And again, mass, that's what I love about Catholicism. Mass is, does not depend on just the charism of the preacher. It's in, in, in certain Protestant churches, that is, the focus is very much on the quality of the pastor. And if that pastor goes away, the entire thing crumbles. Uh, thankfully, that is not the case in, in the Catholic Church. But the form, I've always said this, the form is conducive to that richness. But if, if our, 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 the way we celebrate Mass or the way we used to do that 
if that hampers people to understand what's going on, if it blocks them, then they will never discover the true value of, of the Eucharist and of the sacraments. So it starts with taking, it's like when I'm, when I'm making a video, I take time to set things up, to have a nice backdrop. I, I get irritated when the green, the green screen goes awry because I know that the quality of the image is important, especially for people that are only watching a few minutes. If it doesn't look like anything, they're going to go and, and move on to the next uh, next show. So those are some thoughts about the future. Let me know what you think should happen after the corona crisis with uh, your local church. I, I'm open for suggestions. I think we all have a lot to learn. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I'm still doing a lot of reading. Uh, well, actually, no, that's not true. The opposite. I still wish I would do a lot of reading. That is the truth. Um, I wanted to take advantage of these corona times to do more regular reading. And uh, I still want to absolutely to meet my own challenge, the challenge that I set myself to read one book per week. But I'm falling behind. I think I, I need to catch up with like two or three books now because I can't keep it up. Um, so I was reading this book, uh, Children of Blood and Bones, and really enjoy it. But I've, I'm stuck. I can't find, I, like, in order to get going with a book, this is like 600 pages or something. So you need to make some progress to stay in the story. Otherwise, you forget about what happened before. It's like when you interrupt watching a movie and then a week later you go back to that movie and it's like, oh, uh, wait a minute. Um, how did they get on this airplane? <laughs> <laughs> you have to go back like uh, 15 minutes before you get to, oh, I, now I remember that's what happened. And then that dude did that. And that's how they ended up on that plane. For for me, books is the same. It's even worse because it's, does, it doesn't have this visual component. So I know that I need to, to program in longer stretches of reading, but I just can't find the time. So uh, I, I, I'm struggling with that. Um, how can I get a more let's say, balanced life. I've been uh, recording, I've just recorded an entire episode of, of another podcast that I record on a weekly basis called The Walk. If you go to tridio.com slash The Walk, tridio, T-R-I-D-E-O dot com slash The Walk. Um, that is a show that I record while walking and I, I shared some of my thoughts on, on what I try to do to, to get back to that balance of the force because right now there's a great disturbance in my daily routines. However, on my reading list, I can still talk about books that I want to read. Well, one of the, of the top five books that is now on my list, finally, is the book about Ahsoka. I bought that uh, on a, during a, a sale a while ago. Um, it is written by Iki Johnston, um, and it, it talks about Ahsoka, the character of Ahsoka. It is a canon um, and it also points a little bit towards the future of Ahsoka because, well, little spoiler, Ahsoka lives. Um, but what happens next? That that is part of this of this novel. And I didn't dare to start reading it because I hadn't finished uh, reading or watching the Clone War, so I was afraid that I would get spoiled. 
Um, now that I have seen the final episode of Clone Wars, I can finally start reading that. So that's next on my list. And uh, I've, I've stopped reading uh, some of the fantasy novels, uh, again, because I first want to finish uh, uh, Children of Blood and Bone. There's a lot of magic in there, and I'm, I'm afraid that I get my, my magical systems mixed up. So I'll, I'll let you know what my next book is going to be. And now it is time for me to close the curtains again because the sun starts to shine. The rain clouds are are moving away and now all of a sudden I got too much light on my face. All right, that's better. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Anywho, uh, yeah, it's kind of still a little bit dark. I'll fix it as soon as I get my lights back next week. I see aliens. Little aliens from outer space. And how are things in outer Plutonia? How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? Go to shape. I mean, you can donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on! We need you! All right. Science fiction. Another pretext for me to talk Star Wars. Because you thought that I was done talking Star Wars. But no... No, because there was, uh, in this segment, for those of you that are listening to this or watching this for the first time, I do talk about other Star Wars franchises, or other, oh, slip of the tongue, of other science fiction franchises as well. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) there is just too much cool Star Wars news lately that I need to discuss. So... Here is what I heard last week, and I couldn't be more excited. Actually, I predicted that this would happen, or at least I I think I put it on my wish list publicly, so maybe they've been listening. Taika Waititi, the outstanding writer and director of Thor Ragnarok, which is my favorite Marvel movie. I have never laughed out loud so much while watching a movie than than while watching Thor Ragnarok. But also, of course, the voice of, uh, what's his name, the the, the the killer droid in The Mandalorian, um, T-T-T-I, well, I don't know, <laughs> some computer name. Uh, and, and also, the I think the director of the final episode of, uh, of The Mandalorian. But anyway, uh, he is asked by Disney to co-write and direct a theatrical Star Wars movie. And I was like, yes, the best choice ever. This is someone who really understands Star Wars. And I th- he's, he's a lifelong Star Wars fan, very much like John Favreau. Uh, there, there's currently on Disney Plus, very interesting, albeit a little bit hardcore, there is this documentary series about The Mandalorian. And it's basically uh, a table discussion with a number of people that were involved. So the first one episode is about uh, all the directors. And it's fun because you know the episodes and then all of a sudden you realize, well, whoa, so that one's directed by her and her and then by him. Um, It gives you some insight in in, in what happened behind the scenes. The second episode uh, that is now available is about special effects, I think. Um, anyway, but Taika Waititi is also there participating in, in the discussions, and you see how much The Mandalorian is not just groundbreaking when it comes to the storytelling, but also in the terms of recruiting new talent for the Star Wars universe. That's maybe one of the biggest flaws of the whole Disney merger uh, with Lucasfilm, is that they made some faux pas 
when it comes to uh, getting the right writers to be involved. And, and so there have been some pretty radical changes behind the scenes, r- removing writers, removing directors. And um, Solo was a big disaster at one point and it needed a lot of extra work to make it um, into the movie that it is right now. Rogue One, even though you know, I'm a huge fan of Gary Witta, but uh, th- there th- there were some issues with the script and with the directing, and so they had to make some pretty radical changes to that movie as well. Um, yeah, so they've been not been very lucky. Even Col- Colin Trevorrow, uh, who would uh, direct um, uh, Star Wars, the third sequel... Um, now known as The Rise of Skywalker, was replaced by J.J. Abrams. And J.J. had to basically tie it all up and and, uh, and, and bring the story together because, well, the, you may have seen the story that Colin Trevorrow of, of Jurassic World wanted to make. And although it was, it was cool, but it was not the kind of conclusion that you wanted to the to, to this epic saga. I think that J.J. Abrams did a much better job. I know that some of you don't agree, but that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Um, so uh, I think that now The Mandalorian has proven to be maybe the, you could say, the, the baby room for new talent. Um, but they can try their luck at directing or writing one of those episodes, and then, the, the, then Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy can f- have some some time, some working time, some quality time together with these writers and directors. And she can, f- uh, together with, of course, the rest of, of, of Disney, they can get a feel for you know, who would work and who can do more than just TV shows. And, uh, you know, maybe there are also some directors that they invited and then well thank you and don't call us we'll call you <laughs> but uh but Taika Waititi absolutely nailed it I think in uh in the Mandalorian and so to give him the free free I'm not sure if he gets free reign because he's listed as a co-writer um the second writer that they've asked to pen the script for this Star Wars movie is Leslie Hadland she is uh also pretty uh, well-known recently for her role as a co-creator and showrunner for a Netflix series, which which is definitely for a different target audience than Star Wars, Russian Doll. It is this time-traveling or kind of... uh, It's a bit Groundhog Day, but then in a very mature version. I I watched a few episodes. It was not for me. Maybe I should watch the entire season before giving a final uh, verdict, but uh, I couldn't get into it. I was like, mm, no, no, it's it's too 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 dark, too rough, too vulgar. Sometimes, um, not my thing. But anyway, uh, it's going to be interesting. The fact that they have a co-writer, I think, indicates that they do know what they're going to make, what what kind of story this is going to be. Um, what is interesting is that that uh, this uh, Christy uh, Wilson did I say Lee Brackett? No, Christy Wilson Cairns. Uh, she wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This is wrong. This I'm I'm mixing things up. Sorry about that. The Leslie Hadland that I was mentioning for of Russian Doll, she is actually. Uh, heading a new Star Wars series for Disney+. Plus. Okay. Reset. 
I was wrong. So uh, we don't know what kind of series this is going to be. It's rumored to be female-centric. Um, nowadays with Disney, that's almost a given. If they would say it's male-centric, then everybody would say, what? What? Did we get a male hero? No. Well, of course, Mandalorian is, is, is male, but uh, Disney seems to really want to compensate for all male uh movies of the past decades and so they're giving us a lot of female hero i have nothing against that on the contrary um, many of my favorite disney movies are uh, uh have female uh heroes so that's great and in star wars sure go for it i would say um as long as it doesn't become too politically correct i, I mean i the the downside and that's why uh, some people criticize disney for this trend of having all these female characters being in the lead, is that th then, as a result, the, all the male characters become these bumbling idiots. Um, and, and that, of course, is, n is not good for the balance of the force. That's not how the force works. That's not what you should do. But, um, yeah, it's just, I think, kind of course correction often comes with overcompensating. So, she'll be heading a female-centric show, rumored, on Disney Plus that takes part it takes place in a different part of the Star Wars timeline than other projects that is interesting that makes me curious it's probably going to be the past I, I don't think it can be the future they want to reserve that for future projects they don't so maybe Old Republic maybe that time new time period that they announced for this new whole slew of books that's coming out I don't know We'll probably get some more details uh, further down the road. No, the female writer who will co-write the screenplay for... Oh, thank you, Samuel, for the super chat. Samuel is in the chat room. Our magic edutainer from Sweden. <laughs> and very strict moderator during Geek Mass. Um, anyway, so uh, the female co-writer for um, the screenplay of this uh, Taika Waititi movie is Christy Wilson-Cairns. She co-wrote the screenplay for 1917, which I still haven't seen, but it is a fantastic movie from what I've heard. Um, so, And she will be the second woman to co-write a Star Wars movie. The first one was actually for Empire Strikes Back. I did not know that, but that was mentioned in the article, and it was Lee Brackett. She co-wrote The Empire Strikes Back together with Lawrence Kasdan. So, good things are coming. I couldn't be more excited. So, we, we have the announcement of a new Star Wars movie in preparation, and there are a few more that we heard about. So, no timeline, no announcements about that, nothing about Ryan Johnson's trilogy, but at least there is another dot on the horizon so that we can go back to theaters. Because frankly, I love what they do on Disney+, Plus, but Star Wars without movie theater experiences is no longer Star Wars. And that's what I think. And I'm sticking to we it. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well... All your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. There is one more thing, and that is I need to talk about the Nintendo Switch a little bit more. I've uh, In my introduction, I, ta I, I told you that I uh, finally switched to the Nintendo Switch, but what a great device is that. 
I never, I never saw it in real life. When I saw the concept of it, I was like, that's not for me. You know, I've had my, Nint my share of, 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 of Nintendo experiences. I love some of the games. Um, I had the Nintendo Wii. I did have the Nintendo 3DS. I sold them all because a lot of times Nintendo was like, I played a little bit and then there's just nothing to hold my interest. But this Nintendo Switch, the concept of, of having like this mobile device that you, you're able to connect to your TV and play it on a big screen, to me that, that sounded weird and I didn't like those, those detachable uh, joysticks and everything. I was like, that, that is so for children. That is not for me. That's not going to work. I'm not going to like that. Whoa, was I wrong? This is, I got to open the curtain again in case you're wondering why the sound is so bad. But now all of a sudden, clouds are back. So my green screen again goes haywire. I shouldn't bore the audio listeners with that kind of stuff, but I just wanted to give you some context as to why sometimes I'm a little bit distracted. But uh, what, what I like about the Nintendo Switch is exactly that. It is the ease of use and how quickly you can just take this out of its, uh, its holder um, and you can just play it. it it's, it's much bigger than I thought it would be. On the pictures, it looked tiny. I thought this would be the size of, of the Nintendo 3DS, which it absolutely isn't. This is much bigger. And this is actually exactly the size that fits my hands. I don't have very big hands, but I love this. I, I can hold this in my hands for multiple hours. I'm secretly telling you how much I've played Animal Crossing. Um, and that is not the case, for instance, with the iPad. When I, I have an iPad Air, um, and when I play games or read or watch movies on the iPad after about 15 minutes... Uh, it gets too heavy. I my finger, my hands are cramped, and it feels very uncomfortable. But this Nintendo Switch thing—it's just the right size, the right weight. All the controls, the joysticks are in the right places, and it feels very surprisingly sturdy. I thought that this whole this this um, uh, holder where you where you put it in if you want to play it on a TV, for instance. That looked very flimsy. Even when I un un unboxed it, it felt very plasticky. I was like, that's going to break very quickly. Well, it turns out, no, it's so easy. You don't... I thought that would be like a USB-C connector on the inside, but it's actually extremely um, uh, lenient. You just drop it in. I'm going to do that right now. I'm not even paying attention as to you know where the connector is probably going to be, but it just slips into place. I don't know how they do it, but it just works. This is the kind of dock that I wish uh, Apple devices would have, like an iPad. If I, That would have a charging dock like this, and it would automatically project it, the screen to a TV. Wow, I think that would be fantastic. But no, with the, 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 the connectors, even USB-C, uh, you still have to really look at what you're doing. You can't just guess where, you know, how to connect these things. You you, you got to watch it. And oftentimes when I have to reconnect my phone or my tablet for charging overnight, it is in a, in a darkened room. It's in my bedroom. So I constantly have to ask Siri to, to turn on the lights. Or it's not Siri. I don't have Siri. Uh, ask a Google, my Google Assistant to turn on the lights because otherwise I can't find the connector. Um, so I love what they did. Also, what is, uh, what is excellent, excellent is the user interface. So the whole, you know, uh, uh, activating the screen, press the same button three times, and then 
the, the audio is not that good. It's a little bit uh, on the on the low side. So that's that's the sound coming out of the speakers. The speakers are on the back. I thought it actually it was on top, but that turns out to be. Um, I think it's a cooling grill or something. It lets in. Uh, it's probably to cool the processor. Um, so the sound is coming out of the back, which is kind of weird because it's not pointed towards you. There are two. Actually, now that I think of it, I see two little holes in the screen. Oh, they're actually they are speakers. So there are speakers on the back. I wonder if those are speakers. Maybe I was mistaken. But anyway, sound is a little bit thin. I expected with this size and the weight of this device, I expected the sound to be much louder, but it's not. But on the other hand, it's not that important for this type of game. Animal Crossing is a very relaxed, uh, you know, spare time game, so it doesn't really require massive sound. But if there was one thing that the, I think they could improve, it's exactly that. So I've been able to uh, to figure out a way to stream from the Nintendo Switch. And if you've watched my YouTube channel this past week, I've been doing I think three episodes from the world from within the world of Animal Crossing. I was trying to, you know, set things up so that maybe in the future I could do a show inside the world of uh, Animal Crossing. Uh, following the example of the great uh, Gary Witta. Um, but it was much more difficult than I thought it would be. I'm, I've, I've used the Elgato Stream Deck. No, it's not the Stream Deck, sorry. The Elgato Game Capture HD, which I bought two years ago. I wanted to stream my PlayStation 4 at the time, and I never set it up. I was like, ugh, too, too much of a hassle. Um, and so... Uh, I I I thought well maybe I it has an HDMI in so I'm going to set this up and I'm just going to stream the Nintendo. What I did not realize was that uh, when you stream through the Elgato, it it introduces a delay of about two seconds, and so everything that you see on your computer monitor, which is what I'm when I'm playing Battlefront Two online on YouTube. I play, actually, in the window that I'm playing in is exactly synchronized with the window that I'm streaming. So I can just ha play the game on my monitor, and on the right side I've got my Streamlabs OBS uh, app and the chat room, and it's all real-time. But with this, the only signal that I get in the computer is a delayed signal. So you're constantly like, oh, i got to go to the right. Ah, I'm bumping in that tree again. Why? Because... What I'm seeing happened two, two seconds ago. It's really, really annoying and frustrating. So I had to come up with another solution to basically ignore the, the, the sync. What I'm doing now is I, I have a big widescreen monitor, like super widescreen, 21 by 10, I think, is the, 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 the kind of the dimensions. Um, you can, you can, uh, attach two separate HDMI sources to that monitor, and then you get two square screens. It's very funny. It looks very skewed. So I, on the one side, I have the computer, so I can read the chat room, for instance, while I'm gaming, because the interaction is, of course, why this would work in the future. You need to have that social interaction, and you can, you, you can interact in the game by typing on a screen. <laughs> it's... You, 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 it's like 10% uh, of what you can type in Twitter. It's, it's like literally four words. It's 
really stupid. Um, so I can't really communicate in the game. So I keep the computer on the one side and on the other side I see the screen of the of the switch. But what I see there on my monitor is the real image coming straight from the console. And then the computer takes that image and transmits it two seconds later. That is one of the reasons that I don't use a webcam. If I would add a webcam image to the to the um, to the game that I'm streaming. The webcam would be constantly two seconds out of sync, so you'd see my mouth move, and then you would hear my voice, or vice versa. Um, so I'm not going to do that, and it, it doesn't really need it. The game is fun. Um, it's good. It doesn't need my face to enhance it. Let's put it that way. It looks the the, the characters in the game are a, no, a lot nicer looking than I am. <laughs> so. But it is fun. I've already another thing that I wanted to m briefly mention is how much I like the community of that game. So you can open your island for visitors, and uh, and I can visit other people's islands. And the generosity and the kindness and the help that you get from other players is unlike any other online game that I've seen. If I play Battlefront Two, I'm always a bit a bit afraid to go online and play with other players because I'm so bad at it that they may get angry with me. And because uh, <laughs> I'm a noob, you know, I'm an old man uh, who plays video games. I shouldn't even be there. But with, with, with Animal Crossing, I feel like, oh, it's so relaxed. And people are, this game makes you relaxed. The, the music is calm. And so everybody's in a good mood when they're playing Animal Crossing. And, and that definitely comes across in the interactions that you have with online players. So that is, I think, one of the unexpected boons of playing Animal Crossing. It is relaxing and, you know, it makes me, again, experience the goodness, the inherent goodness of a lot of people. All right, that's it for uh, this episode. Thank you so much for, uh, for listening or watching if you're connected with me through YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. If you want to listen to the audio version, check out tridio.com slash I'll see you next week. Take care and God bless.